Welcome again. Uh, this is, uh, again, a couple weeks before Easter. I mean, this wonderful celebration of Easter, and we get to gather together. It's a high point to, to say, look, three days prior, Jesus was crucified on a cross. He was placed in a tomb and laid to rest, wrapped up. And three days later, on Sunday morning, uh, the ladies go to the tomb. The, the rock is rolled away. He's not there. And they have this encounter with Jesus, or encounter with the angel, and then later on with Jesus, and the disciples later on with Jesus. That It's like, why are you weeping? He's not here. So Easter comes around. We get to celebrate. The, the Messiah has risen. Christ has risen. Easter has come, right? And we think about springtime is, is here, and uh, winter is, is, we're closing the door on winter, and if you don't, if you like winter, I don't know what to tell you, but we're closing the door on winter, springtime comes, and if you're, if you're uh, like me, maybe at your house, you've got wildflowers that are popping up all over the place, uh, sometimes in places and spaces where uh, there are just so many, they take over most of that area of the yard, uh, to the point where it's like, do I take care of these, or do I just let them go? And I think I've come to a point, especially in springtime, in recognizing that, yeah, at this point, I'm ready to close the door on winter and move into spring and see the new growth coming, that I do not want to take out wildflowers, because guess who put them there? I didn't have any control of these wildflowers. These wildflowers came up, maybe a sea blew in, and one wildflower turned into an, a, a massive amount in my yard. And then they turn, uh, you know, the, the, the green stem of them, and then the, there's this purple flower that comes, and maybe if you know wildflowers, you'd be able to tell me what they are, but I just like sitting on my porch. When it's not cold, or, you know, when the sun's shining, and looking at the beauty that God has created in this wildflower. And that's what springtime offers us. It's not something that we, that I have controlled. I mean, I guess you could plant wildflowers. I think that's a thing now. I'm not a, I'm not a gardener. I don't know. But, but these things blow in and they grow and they bloom and the beauty of them we get to see. But before Easter is, is this journey leading to this celebration. This journey of Lent. And uh, for those of you, Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. Pastor Mark kind of I've gone over this a little bit, but it starts Ash Wednesday. And it's 40 days, 46 in total. Uh, Sunday's not included because the six Sundays between Ash Wednesday and Easter are many celebrations of the grand celebration of Easter. Let us be reminded of, uh, uh, of, of Jesus having been uh, crucified but resurrected, uh, conquering death. For you and for me. And so these 40 days leading into Easter. Uh, when I started observing Lent, because it wasn't, I don't think, until high school or college maybe, that I even took it as a season to practice and observe this journey from Ash Wednesday to Easter. When I started observing Lent and walking this journey, uh, I found out that... Uh, the truth of, of what preparation is all about. I mean, as a coach, uh, I, I want my players to be prepared in practice for the thing that's to come in the game, right? The, the practice is the preparation. It's the studying. It's the understanding, right? If you're getting ready for a test, it's the, it's the work going into understanding the, the content or the information, and then finally the test comes or the game comes, and now it's now it's putting into practice what I have been preparing for. 
And Lent is that way. Lent is that preparation for the celebration. And, and to get to Easter, minus the preparation, I think it minimizes the, what Easter can be and could be for each of us as this grand celebration of recognition that Christ has resurrected. He's defeated death, and he's inviting us into relationship with him. He has torn the veil between us and God. Through Jesus, we have a way to him. I, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus did that, and, and Easter is this recognition, celebration of that having taken place. And to not have the preparation of Lent, of prayer and some fasting and this journey leading us there, what might, what might we miss in Easter? What might we miss in Easter? And so if you have the journey to Easter, um, uh, what we call this, the uh, uh, participant's guide, uh, but the prayer and fasting, communion, fellowship, um, and going through this, uh, having a resource to help us walk through, to guide us through this preparation the season of preparation into celebration, it helps us. And so this week, uh, the fast is on input. Fasting what you take in. Fasting what, what goes in. And, and, and part of some of the specifics they offer in the participant's guide and for this journey is maybe for, for this week, it's fasting uh, it social media and news, things that come in uh, so that it can make way for some opportunity in engaging and connecting with God. And so this morning we're talking about the power of Jesus. Where might the power of Jesus come from and engaging with him? And so I would suggest that maybe part of the fast is taking in less Facebook news and more good news. As you guys watched a video last week from, from the kids in the, in the good news broadcast, is that, uh, and you'll see one again next week on forgiveness, uh, but taking in less of the world's news and what's going on, it's, I mean, it's, it's good to be informed, but we can be over-informed, can we not? Can we, can we be over-informed and be less effective? Can we be over-informed and less effective? And so that's something that's said even of, of this younger generation growing up is that they're so informed, over-informed, and under-prepared. I mean, think about that. There's so much coming in, so much coming in. We're so informed, but how prepared are we for the thing God's calling us to? How aware are we of the thing God maybe is inviting us into? Right? And so, again, part of this fast is to understand maybe the why. Why would I want to take in less social media or news or just the things that we input and maybe take up more of, the, of God's story and hearing from him? What is it that he's saying? How is it that in Jesus walking this journey to the cross, what is he saying to me? What is he inviting me into? So, um, uh, and again, as we dive in this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4. Uh, this is maybe a familiar for, uh, a verse or passage for many of you. This is the temptation of Jesus. And as a, as a kid and as a teenager and as a young adult, as I heard this passage over and over again, it gave me a connection to Jesus that if Jesus can be tempted in this way, if Jesus can experience the temptation that, that Satan lobs his way in what is recorded in, in Luke chapter 4, then it gives me in some way a solace of, okay, if Jesus in taking on these or uh, getting these temptations lobbed at him and how he responded to Satan in each one of those ways, uh, how can then I 
engage in the temptations that come my way, right? And, and as this journey to Easter and thinking of the celebration of, of Christ resurrecting from the dead and being a savior for, for, for his time and for all time, uh, how is it that he, I'm being drawn into that, his story, his story in my life and living that out? And so we're going to read uh, in chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and it'll be up on the screen, so follow along. Jesus, fully Holy, full of the Holy Spirit, returned uh, from the Jordan and was led, around, led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when, they had, when that had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he, and, and he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all of this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to you, I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the, on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said to him, uh, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. And, the Jesus, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through all the surrounding districts, and he began teaching in the synagogue and was praised by all. So this may be, uh, hopefully, a familiar passage for you in the temptation of Jesus as he's, again, following his baptism and being led into the wilderness, the desert, to be tempted. And, and some of the things that, you know, as a young adult, as a, as a teenager, as a kid, as I read, is that, okay, 40 days without food, and then he became hungry. Okay, so Jesus is human, right? I mean, I, you go a meal, a day, two days. If you fast for, you take a fast for three days, take a fast from food for seven days, right? Uh, hungry. And hunger takes over, and hunger just, and even just the physical weakness of the body, right? And yet we read in this that the Spirit is the one that led Jesus into the desert. The Spirit is the one that led Jesus into the desert. Um, but that not only was he led into the, to the desert, but that in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. And there's something different about that. That we can come into a situation in a moment and have the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit to know what to say, what to do, and how to encounter what it is we're facing. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, I, and we'll, we'll touch on here on that in a little bit in some of the other letters from Paul. It's very, uh, or even the, the Acts of the Disciples. Um, but some of the temptations that's being uh, thrown at Jesus, right? That uh, he's coming into the wilderness. Uh, the power of Jesus uh, came, uh, or his power came from the presence of God. Came from the Holy Spirit being filled. And so here are the temptations that he's encountering. The first one is this temptation of appetite. And it's the, you know, if you're, if you're um, uh, 
If you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. For 40 days, and he was hungry already. If you've ever fasted for any amount of time, uh, the first moment you see food, where you're like, I have, I have to eat this. I have to. As uh, uh, with the youth group, every year we've been doing the 30-hour famine, and so that's uh, 30 hours without food. Um, we try to keep uh, food from our vision, but as soon as food begins to get being prepared in the kitchen, guess what we think about? Food. As soon as we, and we break the fast after 30 hours with communion, right? It's not a, a, a wafer like you had last week, <laughs> but a whole loaf of bread. You know how good that loaf of bread looks? After 30 hours, not 40 days, 30 hours. And the temptation of appetite is the, the, the lie that is being lobbed at Jesus from, this, is, from Satan is, uh, is that the lie is, will I, uh, I will never have enough. I will never have enough. And so we've, and then we find this in ourselves. We've got to, we've got to hoard it. We've got to grab onto it. We've got to take it. And often, over and over throughout Scripture, God is reminding his people through, through the prophets, uh, through Jesus, through the disciples, if you store up for yourselves here, uh, with things here on earth, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be destroyed, right? Rust will take over. Moths will destroy it. There's no point in storing up things here on earth, but where is the, a point in storing up things? Right? And Jesus made it very clear. It's in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But again, this lie of, or this temptation of appetite, there's a, a sense of fear that there is not going to be enough. Not going to be enough for me or the people I take care of. Uh, there's there's a, a thought of, um, uh, with this, is indulgence. Is if I have it now, I just got to take it in. Right? I've, I have uh, recently learned that I, I'm lactose intolerant, and yet I love ice cream. There's a little bit left of ice cream in the freezer, and I can't help myself. I can't help myself. It's there, and I like it, and I want it, and I take more than I should. The sense of, with this temptation of appetite, this indulgence, but also this consumerism, is that we've got to just use it, take it, and, it, and really it just turns us up. I'm thinking about what I need, how I can get it. If, there's, if it's there now, I've got to grab hold of it now. Because if I don't, how can I trust that it'll be there when I need it? And Jesus' response to this temptation, man should not live on bread alone. Now I am telling you there is no way Without being full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is looking at that rock saying, yeah, if I'm the son of God, this could take place. This could be a loaf of bread and I'm hungry. I need it now. 40 days, he went, he fasted for 40 days and the scripture says he was hungry. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he offers the truth of what, God, what, what, what is true in relationship with God. That we will not live on bread alone. It's what fasting helps us teach. Fasting from food, fasting from other things that helps us teach that this thing, item, whether it's food or, or technology, this is not what will sustain me. And as soon as I believe it does, I am hooked to it, I am connected to it. I am no longer bound by God and filled with the Holy Spirit, but I am bound to this thing. And speaking of fasting from food, do you know anybody, maybe it's you, who gets hangry when they go without food? 
And this is being tied to our, well, our emotions, to our stomach that comes out as, I need this so that I don't attack you, right? As a teenager, as a kid, I used to get low uh, blood pressure I, or low blood sugar, I think. I don't know. But I would get hangry to a point where I would act out to the people around me. And my mom would say, have a cracker. Here's a cracker. You'll survive. Right? But it's our, our stomach telling our emotions to the people around us. I'm tied to this thing. And Jesus in this passage is saying, uh, man does not live on bread alone. And the passage there is, but on every word that comes from God. Here, maybe we have less Facebook news and more good news. Every word that comes from God. This is where we get encouraged. This is where we get built up. This is what we want to consume. If the only thing I have open on my phone is Facebook or social media, and I don't have this open, then how will I know how to be sustained, how I'm going to make it through, that when something can be something that I need and want, but it's not there, and the people around me might suffer because of how I'm behaving, how I'm acting. When I'm, It's really God that's saying, I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. You are mine, and, I, and this is what I have done. Come be with me. Experience my presence. The next uh, temptation that Satan lobs at Jesus is the temptation of ambition. And it's that if, if you will bow down and worship me, then all of this all of these kingdoms will be yours. The feeling here is of, uh, the lie here is that I will never accomplish enough. I'll never accomplish enough. It's this sense maybe of, of guilt that I maybe haven't taken the opportunities that I could have or done the things I've, I've been, I, I should have done or I've had the conversa- I haven't had the conversations that I should have had. Uh, there's a sense of competition and impatience that comes with this temptation that I'm competing against you. I see you as a threat. I see you as uh, somebody I have to be over and above. I've got to outperform you. I've got to outwork you. I've, I, I, and I can't wait. I cannot wait. I can't miss a moment. That if I, if I let this thing pass me up, then I will never accomplish enough. And Jesus' response here to this temptation of ambition is you shall not, you, or you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the one who I serve, God alone. I will worship him and I will serve him only. Yeah, these other things exist in my life. I see them around me, but I will not put them in a place of worship. I will not put them over my relationship with God. I will not set that, that thing or that, that ambition. I will not put that above my relationship with God and serving him. And each one of these temptations, are we experience these every day. And these temptations, again, we have what, what Jesus has said in response. There is God and there is God alone. And I will worship him and I will serve him only. I will not let uh, this thought of I've got I've to see people as competition or as objects, but that I will see them and understand that they have uh, needs and wants and desires and values and that they are God's creation, God's son and daughter, his creation. I will see them as God's creation, not as someone that I have to, I have to compete against. Or that if I wait too long, then I won't have it. Or I won't be able to accomplish it. 
The next um, temptation that Jesus lobs it, or Satan lobs at Jesus, is this as a temptation of approval. And it's the, and, and even, I mean, get this, Satan's quoting scripture here, right? Satan's quoting scripture. But that if you are, if you take up, up to this high, highest place in Jerusalem on the temple, and throw yourself off, that God will bring angels and come and, and guard you and pick you up, and he will not let your foot hit a stone. And so the, the temptation of, of approval of, of will I be, uh, the lie is I will never be enough. I will never be enough. And so it's that seeking, that desire of, of, of being wanted, being accepted, being, uh, I mean, the sense of, that shame, the, of sense of shame that can come in, that I'm not enough somehow, uh, that, what, that who I am, who I've been created to be, who God has put in my, in my heart and in my head and in my life, that I might not be enough. And there grows this insecurity, this insecurity of, well, if, if in, the, in the lie that I won't be enough, I've, I've, I've got to make sure that I am. And then comes this piece of celebrity. Well, you will know me for this. You will know me because of this thing that I'm good at or this thing that I, I am known for or that, that sets me apart from everyone else. And Jesus' response to this temptation and to this lie is you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Because you must know that you are God's son, you are God's daughter, you are, you are a creation of the king. He's created you, he's formed you. I mean, read Psalm 139, and if you can't, in, in reading Psalm 139, understand the, the, the true depth of who God is and who you are because of him, Boy, reread it and reread it over and over again. He wants and desires to be in relationship with you, to know that he has put all this within you. He has known you before, he has known you presently, and he will know you after. He desperately wants you to know that. So it isn't a question even for Jesus, and even to know Jesus' response in these moments, that these aren't coming out of his own strength, but out of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. It's why in the letters in, in uh, or even in, in John 14, as Jesus is about to leave his disciples, he, he tells his disciples, look, there's one who's coming, who will assist you, who will aid you. Jesus calls him the one coming, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth, to be with you forever. Jesus says, I will only be here for a time, and then I will no longer be here, but there's one who is coming. He will be here with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit. This is the one you can rely on. This is the one you can look to. This is the one who will give you the power that you can do the things that I have taught you, that you have seen me do, you will be able to do. And then in Acts 8, Peter and John encounter Samaritans who have been baptized by John's baptism, right? The forgiveness of sins, but have not received the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John, with the Samaritans, are like, well, you receive the Holy Spirit. They lay on hands, they pray over the Samaritans, and then the Holy Spirit comes and resides within the Samaritans. Again, recognize for, for Peter and for John, the Samaritans are a half-breed. They're, they're people we don't encounter, people we don't associate with. And they're ministering to the Samaritans saying, you have been forgiven of your sins by the, by, in the cleansing of the baptism of water, but receive the Holy Spirit. And then a few chapters later in Acts 19, Paul does the same things to, to the church in Ephesus, where 
where the, 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 the church at Ephesus, they have been uh, baptized in the water, forgiveness of sins, but they actually don't even know about the Holy Spirit. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. Like, what is, what is that? And so then Paul, laying on of hands, received the, the church in Ephesus and the Ephesians receiving the Holy Spirit. And then to see where that blooms from there. What happens in the community with the Samaritans? What happens in Ephesus and the church there and the community there? That the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. And when we receive it, when we live through that, we get to see incredible things take place. We get to see this power lived through our lives, right? And even what, what Paul tells, in, uh, t- tells Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, is that we are not given a spirit of fear, but we are given a spirit of power and of love and of discipline. We're not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline, and so it's in, in understanding and knowing that how, how did Jesus encounter and, and come against the te- these temptations from Satan? It was, it was the Holy Spirit being, being God's uh, presence within Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, but also God's word, you being used in a powerful way. It's not what you say, Satan. It's what God says. This is the truth. If we're being given lies, fed lies, told to believe lies, then let's, let's see what God says in response to that. Let's see what God's truth is. Let the Holy Spirit uh, move inside of us. Give us clarity and understanding. This is what God has for us. This is how God is leading us. And the presence of God is where our power comes from. And so this week, this week, I even wrote down in my notes that we, this week, maybe we spend time in the presence of God. But here's the deal. <laughs> even as I wrote that, I had to like take a Sharpie and erase it. Because that, for me, that statement, spend time with God, uh, assumes control on my, side, on my end. Is that I'm going to, put in my calendar, here's where I'm spending time with God. And this is my time with God. And what resonates in my head is what Paul wrote in, in, to the, in Thessalonians is that if we're to pray without ceasing, right, to pursue this prayer without ceasing with God, this, this, this uh, conversation, communication with God without ceasing, without stopping, then can I in my time with God, not scheduled out of, here's where you fit in in the morning, here's where you fit in at night, and and in between, but is it a, I am, that God, recognition that God is with me, he's in me, he wants to be with me always, not me controlling the time that I offer God space and availability. So this week, can we connect with him? This week, can we be in his presence as he desires to to be with us and to fill us with his spirit? Be with God. Be with God. And that is a part of that preparation to the celebration. And maybe for you, scheduling it is great. I don't want to take you out of your rhythm. But for me, it was convicting this week. As I said, spend time with God. It's always. I desire an always in that relationship with God. 
And that's where the power comes from. And so as the worship team comes up and as, as we have a moment of, of reflection, we have the, the prayer station over to my right, uh, communion and the, the candles over here to light to my left. But in the moment, is there a, a thought or a feeling or an expression of something you hear from God in regards to his power, the power of Jesus living in our lives and through us? Is there something he may be inviting you to, calling you to, to experience, to know and understand. So as the worship team leads us in this song, allow the Spirit to, allow the Spirit to comfort you, to hold you, and to know that God desires to be in relationship with you. He wants you to know the power that comes with the Spirit and the things that can happen with that. So let's take some time in that. Let me, let me pray. Father God, as we enter into this time. God, I ask for an infilling, an infilling of your spirit in each of us. In the measure of the God that we need in this moment, in this time, whatever that measure might be, God, may that filling of the Holy Spirit cause us to understand more of who you are, what you're doing in us, and what you're calling us to into the world around us. In your name, amen.